Well, hello everybody. This is Steve Hutto with Harvest Celebration Ministries. Thank you for stopping by and listening uh, to my podcast, my audio podcast. Uh, I am with, as I said, Harvest Celebration Ministries, which is an organization, a missions organization that my wife and I, Connie, we founded uh, way back in the late 90s. And uh, through Harvest Celebration Ministries, we've been reaching into uh, the nation of India. We've uh, been able to go to Guatemala and also uh, Honduras. And uh, we're working in Honduras with a local pastor there, ministering to some children as well. And we have sponsorship programs through um, the ministry there uh, to sponsor a needy child. And this is not a plug for that, but just to let you know a little bit of what we do. Uh, We're not a huge organization, but God is beginning, uh, as He's promised, to uh, cause Harvest Celebration Ministries to flourish for His glory. I've been to India several times. We're uh, working with uh, some local pastors there. Uh, Looking forward to going back again in the near future to India. And uh, what God has allowed us to do is when we go to a place, we don't do missions trips just for the sake of missions trips, but we, we go to a place that God establishes for us to go to. And then we go back and we build on that and we work with local pastors. And in many cases, they come over here to the states to bless the states as well. Harvest Celebration Ministries. Check us out. We're at uh, www.harvestcell.com. That's H-A-R-V-C-E-L.com. So today I want to talk to you about encouragement or encouraging one another. Uh, In Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, it says, Take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil, unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God. But encourage one another day after day, as long as it is still called today. Why? So that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Now, sin, the power of sin, is deception. And you could put it like this. Uh, the, the, The motivation of the enemy... The motivation of Satan and his forces, of course, is sin. But the power of the enemy is the deceitfulness of that sin. And I want to I talk to you a little bit about that. But first, let me just say this. Um, you can see it all over social media, thanks to the availability of social media. You can see even Christians that differ blasting one another. And uh, division is just cutting to the core Uh, even between believers, because people believe one thing and someone else believes another. Well, it's okay to believe something. It's okay to stand upon something. But we have to make sure that what we're standing on and what we're believing in is based on the Word of God if you're a believer in Jesus. If you're a Christian, what you believe and what you're standing on, whatever theology you embrace, whatever political stance you take and embrace... It cannot be contrary. It cannot oppose the Word of God. And so many people, they're basing their beliefs on the opinion of man or what dad or granddad or someone did, and they're not basing it on the truth of the Word of God. You see, so sometimes when you learn the Word of God, you have to throw out some of the things you've stood on before because they oppose the Word of God. They're contrary to the Word of God. Sometimes you have to pull away from people that embrace things, theologies, ideals, 
uh, political stances that oppose the Word of God. You, you, can't, you can't stay with them. You can't be unequally yoked, the Bible says. But what happens is we just disagree and we, we fight and we quarrel against one another. And that's the, the worst witness the church could ever exude to a lost and dying world is division. You know, Jesus said, you will know, they will know you by the love you have for each other. You don't see a lot of love between Christians out there when they base what they believe on what man believes or what man established. But what you will see is a lot of love and unity among a group of people that are standing on the Word of God and they're willing to lay down their cause and their lives to the truth of the Word of God or to have theirs be confirmed by the truth of the Word of God if if you're doing something that's aligned with the Word of God. So I just want to say at the onset of my teaching that sin, its power is deceitfulness and I want to ask you a couple of questions as we get started. These are rhetorical, so you don't have to answer them. Well, you can because I can't hear you. (laughs) But if God created Adam and Eve with a sinless nature, and then he placed them in a sinless environment, the Garden of Eden, how is it that they were both tempted to sin? You know, one with a sinless nature is not tempted by sin. Why? Because there's no lust within them. Here's how I know that. James says, now this is after the fall of man, even to Christians, he writes, he says that you and I, we sin and we lust or or we're tempted when we're drawn away by our own lust. There's something in our old man that tries to rise up as long as we're in this body and, and it's lust. And when that lust conceives, James says, it gives birth to sin and sin gives birth to death. But when you're tempted, he says, don't blame God. (laughs) He says, basically, know that it's the lust within you that draws us away. It's, It's not evil because Jesus has taken care of that. But we must keep that old man under. You know, we we have victory over that old man because we're new creatures in Christ. But we're drawn away and tempted to sin by our own lust. Of course, the enemy will try to put things before our eyes and things and thoughts in our minds to appeal to that lust. But listen to me carefully. Adam and Eve had no lust within them because when God created Adam, he breathed the life of his spirit, the breath of his spirit into Adam. He came a a living being. God took part of Adam and he made Eve. She also had the spirit of life in her, breathed from God. They were both living beings. They did not have a fallen nature. This was before the fall. So therefore, they had no lust within them. So what happened? They couldn't sin. They never had a problem with the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which was forbidden for them, or they were forbidden by God to eat. They never had a problem with that until the serpent showed up. And understand, he couldn't appeal to their lust, again, because there was none in them. But what did he do? He appealed to their minds. And how did he do that? By deception. He deceived Eve and then Adam into actually believing a lie. Now, when you believe a lie, you're in deception. You see, the serpent twisted God's words. It's in Genesis chapter 3, and I'm not going to go there and look at every verse, but make it a point to study Genesis chapter 3. The serpent twisted God's words until she acted on deception 
not lust. The result was the same, though. Sin came. Now, in Genesis 3, 6, it says, When the woman saw that the tree was good for food, she saw it. She saw it in her mind, and that it was a delight to the eyes, and that the tree was desirable to make one wise. She took from its fruit and ate, and she gave also to her husband with her, and he ate. Again, they had no problem. I don't believe that that Adam had to tie Eve's hands and tie her to a, a tree on the other side of the garden and say, no, 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 Eve, you can't have the forbidden, the forbidden fruit. You, you can't do that. And, and I don't believe Eve said, oh, no, but Adam, I must have. It just looks so delicious and my mouth is watering and, and this and that. Uh, I don't believe she ever had a problem with that until the serpent showed up. And the serpent, he came and he deceived their minds He deceived them, and they took. They never lusted after that forbidden fruit. And so when Satan came and says, Has not God said? Or in in today's terms, it would be something like, Now, did God really mean what he said? You know, God doesn't want you to know good and evil because you're going to be like him. Well, he took God's words, and he twisted those words, and in her mind, she saw that it was good for food. He convinced her, contrary to what God said, and different and perverted from what God said, and he made it look good to make her wise. So he convinced Eve then. God didn't really mean what he said, or maybe he just meant something else. And so, you know, Adam was with her, and he could have prevented the fall of mankind, but he too apparently was deceived, because the scripture says that um, he was with her, And he ate as well. So when they disobeyed God's command not to eat from the the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, sin entered into their realm and into them, and everything changed. From that point on, when they began to give birth, they and their offspring had a sin nature. We call it the Adamic nature, the flesh nature. You see? And so we, we must be aware that the enemy's ploy to render you and myself ineffective for the kingdom of God, it comes also in the form of deception. You know, we have to deal with the flesh nature now. We feel things that are wrong that we we know we shouldn't do, but we still feel them, you know, (laughs) because we live in a fleshly fallen body now. But also, we deal with deception. And I see deception becoming stronger and stronger in our nation and in the nations of the world and especially in the body of Christ. And and I see men and women who are Christians embracing beliefs and practices that they even know the Bible says is wrong, but they're able to rationalize it some way, somehow, because deception has entered their mind and they're not seeing things according to the truth of the Word of God. And the way you combat that, of course, is by the Word of God and being close to God. So now, if Satan or the enemy can get us to see, believe, and embrace something other than God's words for our life, then we're living in deception. Also be aware that God's Word is the weapon against all forms of deception from the enemies of God. So we got to study the Word of God. 
We must learn the Word of God. We must apply God's Word to every area of our lives. Some people would say that's, that's going overboard. That's being a fanatic. We have to be a fanatic. The world system is fanatically opposed to God. It's fanatically opposed to Jesus, the cross of Jesus, the kingdom of God. They are diametrically opposed, opposed to each other, the world, the kingdoms of this world, and the kingdom of God. And the only way that we as ambassadors for Jesus and representatives of the kingdom on this earth can be just that is we have to, we have to live the word of God. We have to know it. We have to apply it. It's the truth. We have to be close to Jesus. We have to grow. We have to mature. We have to be fanatically radical in our walk with Jesus. And if you think that is going overboard, you need to back up and examine your walk with Jesus. Bottom line. Now watch this. So the serpent shows up in the Garden of Eden and he deceives Adam and Eve and then sin enters in and the fall of mankind takes place. And we know that Jesus came thousands of years later to restore mankind to relationship with Jesus. We know that. You know, we can't, he came to seek and to save that which was lost. Jesus came to, to bear the sins of the whole world. He who knew no sin was made to be our sin, Paul said, so that we could be, and we are, in him, through him, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Jesus came to pay the price. He was the ransom uh, for our sins. I mean, Jesus came and he broke the power of sin over mankind. And now whosoever will call upon the name of the Lord can be saved and in relationship with Jesus, restored to fellowship in relationship with God Almighty. That was lost, that relationship that was lost in the Garden of Eden. So Satan comes again, let me back up, and he causes the fall of man. Thousands of years later, when Jesus first begins his ministry, guess who shows up after Jesus has been in the wilderness fasting for 40 days and 40 nights? Satan, he's not an idiot. Well, he is, but he isn't. He's not dumb. He knew that Jesus was here to be the sacrifice for our sins. He knew that Jesus was here to salvage mankind, to be our Savior, the Savior of the world. So Jesus had been fasting after being baptized in the River Jordan and then being filled with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Spirit into the wilderness. Jesus began before he launched out in his ministry. He spent that time uh, pumping up and preparing and and, 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 and allowing God to, to minister to him. The scripture says, one version says that the angels came and they ministered to him and strengthened him. And it was after he fasted 40 days and 40 nights that he became hungry. That's why Satan showed up after 40 days and 40 nights. Because Jesus physically in his body became hungry. And so I want you to know that he showed up to try to thwart the very thing, the very plan of God to restore what he had screwed up, pardon my English, in the Garden of Eden. I mean, in the yes, in the Garden of Eden thousands of years ago. And so he shows up. But he didn't appeal to Jesus' physical senses, even though he became extremely hungry. You may say, well, of course he did, because he mentioned turning those stones into bread. Of course, Jesus was very hungry, but Satan didn't tempt him with a literal loaf of hot buttered bread that had just come out of the oven. Instead, he approached Jesus the same way he approached Eve in the Garden of Eden. 
He attempted to deceive Jesus by twisting God's words, but instead Jesus set him straight. He set him straight by overcoming each attempt with the purity of the word of God. He says, it is written. You know, Satan comes and says, look, man, if you're the son of God and you're hungry and everything, just turn these stones into bread. You've got the power to do it. And Jesus said, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone. He's talking about physical bread, natural bread, but on every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And thank goodness, Jesus didn't allow the enemy to thwart the plan of God uh, using him to restore mankind to fellowship with God himself. So if you're a follower of Jesus, he is our example of how we live. He is our example of how we stand on the Word of God. We war with the Word of God. We pray with the Word of God. We sing with the Word of God. We speak with the Word of God. We teach the Word of God to our children. He is our example because He is the living Word of God. And He demonstrated that three times during this incident in the wilderness. So again, let me say that in these last days, deception is running wild, even in the body of Christ. And listen, my friend, the less of God's word you know, the easier it is for you to be deceived by the enemy. Going to church, listening to good messages, it's not not enough. You must do your part. You must study and learn the word of God. Teach it, as I said, to your children. It's got to be applied in every life situation. It's got to be the standard by which you and your family live. God's word is must be the two-edged sword with which you overcome the enemy. And you see, what's happening today in these last days is the enemy is beginning with massive deception of people who are believers. I just saw it this morning on social media. People disagreeing uh, over political issues uh, based on whether they're uh, tied to the Word of God or not. And people disagreeing on theological issues to the point of being hateful to one another. I mean, we're talking about people in the body of Christ. Again, Jesus says, they will know that we follow Him by the love we have for each other. We're dropping the ball there, folks, because we're deceived and we don't see the seriousness of what we're involved in and how we're acting toward each one another. And and we're so deceived to the point that we don't see the significance of how it is affecting people who don't know Jesus, who would know Jesus, but who won't come to Jesus because of the way we're acting as believers. You see, that's deception. We need to wake up, my friend, and understand it's not about politics, even though politics comes under the control of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. The government shall rest upon his shoulders, the scripture said. But it's not all about your theological denomination or your theological opinions or views or training even. It's about Jesus Christ and that we're the body. We are his body on the earth. And if his body's divided, the body won't stand. If his body is divided, the body is ill. It can't be healthy and it can't come across to those who are looking for answers in these days as being healthy. That's why we've got to understand that deception is coming against the body of Christ uh, today like never before. So Jesus said this, for false Christs and false prophets will arise 
and will show great signs and wonders so as to mislead, if possible, even the elect. We have to understand that what he's talking about here is the elect are Christians. And when you, excuse me, when you, when you hear this scripture, you know, you think about your, your Jim Jones and you think about, uh, false prophets, your David Koresh's and people that have led people astray in the name of Jesus, in the name of religion, in the name of of Christ, and false prophets who rise up and say, you know, 88 reasons why the world will end in 1988, you know. And, uh, and, And he did say that false Christ and false prophets will arise, and if they possibly can, will deceive even the elect. But listen, We know that the elect are Christians, but the false Christs and the false prophets mentioned here by Jesus, they're not only going to be imposters trying to pose as Jesus or some prophet to lead people astray. They're going to be folks who openly and violently oppose Jesus, and they oppose any and everyone who stands for him. False Christs and false prophets are those, they're going to be those who draw a following to themselves in order to draw them away from Jesus. It might be drawing a following to a party, to a candidate. It might be drawing a following to a religion. But it's not just going to be the religious nature that we think and that movies have portrayed and that incidents have happened even up until this time. See, these false prophets and false uh, Christs they're going to involve religious and government leaders. It's already begun. And even now, many Christians are believing lies propagated by the mainstream news media. The only way to see through the lies plastered over all the airwaves and the Internet is simply to know the Word of God, the truth, the Word of God. Jesus said if we become His disciples, students, His followers, people who are radically interested, radically pursuing him, we will know the truth and the truth will set us free. And I'll go further to say the truth, we know the truth, it sets us free, but we will also remain free if we follow after Jesus. Let me say just a couple of things. Don't think that because you're a believer and that you prayed the sinner's prayer and you've settled the place of your final destination that you cannot be deceived. Just because you were born again of the Spirit of God doesn't mean you cannot be deceived. Jesus said, again, if he can deceive you in these last days, he's going to do it. And if you're not founded on the Word of God, if you don't know the truth, and if you're not free from the lies and deception, you will be eaten up by them. You will be bound to them. So, this scripture, take care, brethren, that there not be in any one of you an evil unbelieving heart that falls away from the living God, but encourage one another day after day as long as it's still called today, so that none of you will be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. Hebrews 3, uh, 12 and 13. This scripture mentions while it is still called today. While it is still called today. what That's right now. <clears throat> right now, at this point, in time, we have... We still have the freedom to proclaim the gospel right now. As long as it's called today, it's right now. It's today. We still have the opportunity to live out loud for Jesus. We don't have to worry about being arrested or executed for being a Christian. We need to discern the signs of the times, though, and realize that while it's called today is growing short, 
while it is called today, also means while you're still alive, while you're still breathing. And remember, God will use you because you're still breathing. He doesn't use corpses. He uses people that are alive. So he says we need to encourage each other every day as long as it's still called today. As long as you're alive, you need to encourage somebody. As long as you're alive, you need to be encouraged by somebody. Let me just close by saying never before in history has there been a time as opportune as right now for the church of Jesus. Never before. And I feel my calling these last days is to just make this known. It's to encourage believers not to fall into sin as hearts become hardened by the deception of of the evil one. It's happening all over the place. Let me ask you, do you see it? Are you ready to be an encouragement to someone else? Are you ready to be an encouragement to God's people in these last days? I'm going to put the ball in your court. Pray about it. Think about it. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you that I can share the Word of God. Thank you that I can encourage, and it may be a little strong, but thank you for this message of exhortation, this this privilege to exhort us, including myself, to, to, to move faster, to stand stronger, to move a little more forward, to keep standing longer in the midst of all the opposition against the kingdom of God and thus his people in these last days. Thank you, Father, that greater is he that is in us than he that is in this world. And because we are born of God, we have overcome the world. And this is the victory, uh, John said, that has overcome the world, our faith. Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight, not by the way things appear. That faith is in the word of God that we learn that we study, that we meditate on, that we apply in our lives. Thank you for the victory in every person listening to this, that we move forward and we move upward in you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for logging on. You have a blessed day.